And so this series we've been talking about is this really getting this greater than equation the right way. That we are not equal sign with God. God is greater than, again, all those things we've talked about. God is greater than your pain. God is greater than your time. God is greater than your circumstances. Greater than your finances. Greater than your worries. He's also greater than we can imagine. And this whole series has really been about putting this in perspective. Now you get a shirt to go home and wear, wear around and really talk about it, and that's cool, but what good is this if what's underneath doesn't match up? There you go, Preston. All right, someone's with me. What good is this if what's underneath doesn't line up? Because this series has not been about saying God is greater, and a t-shirt can say a lot. This series has been about living God is greater, and that's what's under the t-shirt. And there are three things that we can get wrong often about putting our brains around the concept of being God greater than we can imagine. Let me explain. Here's our first one. We can misunderstand Him. We can misunderstand Him. Endless capacity for both love and grace, sending Jesus, His only Son, to die on a cross for us, and also jealousy, and wrath. I want to go in the Old Testament, read about Achan during the time of Joshua. What about Ananias and Sapphira from the book of Acts, chapter 5? You don't know the story of Ananias and Sapphira? They sold a giant parcel of land and they said they were going to give all the money to God. And they didn't. They held back some. And they brought like some. Again, we talked about that for the finances. Not the best, they brought some. So Peter was like, you, are you serious? Because God's laid it on my heart that I know what you did. And boom, Ananias falls dead. They kind of quietly drag his body out, right? And then his wife comes around three hours looking, three hours later looking for him, and it's like, maybe he's down at church. I'll go get my car, you know, drive down. All right, Sapphira, walking in. Hey, um, where's my husband? They're like, uh, hold on really quick, first quick question. Um, did you guys sell that parcel of land? Oh, yeah, we did. Did you give it all to God? Yeah, we did. <laughs> Same thing. Same thing. So oftentimes, it's, it's really hard to get our brains around the endless capacity for both love and grace, and also like jealousy and wrath, the part of God that we're like, oh, brush that under the rug. Don't talk about it. That's for other people. <laughs> That's not for me. And it's easy for someone to say that God is just a mean, cruel God somewhere up in the sky when you haven't ever experienced His love firsthand. And it's also easy to think, well, you know what? God loves me so much. That leaves so much endless love, endless capacity for love and grace that I can do anything. I can get away with anything I want because He loves me. And then we misunderstand. We misunderstand God's capacity for also jealousy and wrath. We think we can get away with things without expecting sovereign repercussions. So that's the first way we can kind of misunderstand how God is greater than we can imagine. Second way, uh, we can rely on our own wisdom. We can rely on our own wisdom. Now, let me read from Psalm here, chapter 131. We're going to read the entire Psalm. Y'all ready? Good news, Eric. It's just three verses. Here we go. It's my brother-in-law. Love you. All right. Psalm 131. My heart is not proud, O Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters. Or things too wonderful for me. I'll come back in that in a second. But I have stilled my soul and quieted my soul. 
Like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child, my soul is within me. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. So David's saying right here, like, I'm not going to worry too much about my own wisdom and trying to understand the greater than I can imagine God. I'm not going to try to try to put him in a box, if you will. And oftentimes I think we as Christians, we're the worst of putting God in a box. I watched this video um, this past week. They had the people, it was this funny video, and they just had a little matchbox. And they're like, well, you know, I carry God around with me. And then when I don't want him to hear something, I just close the box. I say whatever I want. And then I let God back out again. It doesn't work that way. We can rely too much, too much on our own wisdom. Now, let's be honest here. We can never fully understand everything about God in this life, can we? Nope. It's not, no matter how many church services you go to, how many Bible studies you go to, you can, you can read this every day. At the end of your life, in your last moments, you will still wonder and have questions and be amazed at how God is still greater than you can still even imagine after all that time. We can never fully know everything. But we are called to learn, to grow, to mature, to disciple other people for Christ to, to share what we are learning. But we can never let ourselves get to a point where we think we know everything. You ever known one of those Christians? You don't have to raise your hands. That's okay. Galatians chapter 6, verse 3 says this, If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Turn with me to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, verses 5 through 8. And if you don't have a Bible here as you're turning, and we have some Bibles over there underneath the prayer board, uh, feel free to grab one of those. And if you don't have one at all, ever, uh, just take it home with you. That's the least we can do, as always here, is share the Word of God with you uh, in a real way. So John chapter 15, verses 5 through 8. And our, Michael's been filling me in. Our students, our coffeehouse students, have been kind of going through this Recently, so this might sound a little familiar for our 6th through 12th graders. Verse 5, I am the vine, Jesus says, and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do, what's the word there? Nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. That sounds fun. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish. Here's the greater than we can imagine thing. Ask whatever you wish. If, there's a caveat, if, if you remain in me and my words, this dwells in your heart. Ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is not for you. This is not even for me, Jesus says. This is to my Father's glory, the God, the greater than, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So the first thing, we can misunderstand God. We kind of can't really get our brains around love and grace, and we just kind of abuse that or don't understand it. The second thing, we can, we can rely on our own wisdom. Say, I got this. I got this. But someone who thinks there's something, be careful. Because Jesus says, apart from Him, we can't do Nothing. That's why looking at the story of this church over the last year, it's not any one thing we've done. Again, it's all because of the one thing He's done for us. Here's the third thing. 
we can study theology too much. I'll just leave that there. This is probably, you're probably not going to go to a lot of different places and sermons you're going to hear preach from large pulpits. I don't talk about this much, but this is the truth. We can study theology too much because what it actually then becomes is theologyology or the study of the study of Scripture. And we get so wrapped up in Bible studies or other authors or other books or, or other pastors and we're just listening and somewhere along the line you figure out they're just a motivational speaker. I haven't heard one word of the Bible in like 30 minutes. What are they talking about? Theologyology. We will be known by our what? By our fruit. John and I were talking about a few weeks ago. Turn over to Matthew. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. First book in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 7. We're going to read a few verses out of that. Matthew chapter 7. Again, not a very popular passage. Probably talked about. We're going to be starting in verse 15. Watch out for false prophets, Jesus says. Watch out for people who have this greater than sign twisted in the wrong way. Even though they might be proclaiming to follow me. If they don't live out that greater than, I think we'll say, watch out for those guys. They can come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly, under the t-shirt, right? Inwardly, they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. The people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. Well, of course not. Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A tree, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Like, I'm sending, sending a thing here, Josh. What's going on today? What's with the thrown into the fire and cut down? Let's keep moving. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Now, here we go into this part we're talking about. We, the, the theology ology. Verse 21, not everyone, not even everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, calls out upon the name of Jesus will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did, do we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons and, and in your name perform many miracles? And I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. We can study the Bible too much without actually putting it into application. We can study the study or the study, study, study of Scripture. Find out all the little details. Pull out Google. Find out little cool little things. But you know what? If you're not living it out, Jesus says, away from me, evildoers. You can call out my name. But because you didn't live a greater than lifestyle, I don't know you. So don't say you know Jesus and then not live like it. Don't study so much religious texts or concordances or, again, other books by other authors, by other pastors, that you become overconfident in what you know about things. See, a true Christian life isn't about self-reliance. It's about selfless relationship. Jesus wants to be in a relationship with each one of us. And the more time we spend with Jesus and reading this reveals what He wants us to know. Living out that greater than lifestyle. 
So we're talking about dreaming today. We're talking about a God that is greater than we can imagine. So we had to cover those three quick things about, well, you know, we can misunderstand Him when we try to imagine how great or how loving or how wrathful God is. We can get a few things confused. But when we launched this vision back in May, you can read it on our, on our website. After a lot of time and a lot of, a lot of prayer, and I think I shared this back in May, coming back from a, a conference where God just really wrecked my, wrecked my heart about what this church could be. So we came back and I wrote out this vision and this roadmap that we presented with our elders and, and our staff and share with you guys. But uh, if you read our vision, it's a bunch of will-be statements. True Life Church will be a harbor of safety for children and families. True Life Church will be a risk-taking church. True Life Church will be the fastest multiplying church in Bavard County where hundreds and hundreds of people come to know salvation through Jesus Christ. Now that's us. If you don't know Him, hopefully you're learning about Him and you're, you're getting to a point where God is wrecking your soul. Talk to me. Talk to anyone wearing a greater than t-shirt. Say after, talk to me. Find someone to talk to or, or, or pray with. But that's what we've been called to do. And in your life, God has set a vision. God has set a dream for you of not necessarily what could be, but through Him and for His glory, what will be. It's interesting, when you, when you read uh, the ancient Hebrew and the Aramaic text, when they talk about future, that's the way they talk about it. Not this is going to happen, but they're going into the future saying, this will have happened already. That's the way they look at things. So we're going to talk about dreaming here in a second. I want you to kind of put that perspective on it. Do you guys have a dream? Do you guys have a dream for God? About what He wants you to accomplish? Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, and this is going to be short enough, I hope, Y'all can either write this down or put it up on a post-it note and think about it for the rest of the week during this mirror when we actually get down to uh, verse 20 and 21. But we're going to start in verse 14. And Paul here is writing to the church in Ephesus, and so he says, For this reason, and we'll go into that later, um, before, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of His glorious riches He may strengthen you with, with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell, again, here it is, in your hearts, under the t-shirt, through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the saints, that's us, to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Surpasses knowledge. There we find it again. You can have all the knowledge. Without the relationship, no good. And I know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Here we go, verse 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever Amen. You could almost end it there, but then we'd lose the whole armor of God, and that's kind of cool too. 
So, Paul's writing this, and he says, again, here in verse 20, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And oftentimes, we're guilty of putting God in a box, aren't we? Well, God can't do that. Those healings that you see, those are really on TV, and they're just fake, right? I've never personally known someone that's been miraculously healed. I have this possibility of a dream in my heart, but that could never happen. So do you have a dream? If yes, what? And if not, are you close enough in your relationship with Jesus to know what greater than things He could accomplish through you? I pray that you have a dream today to get out of the box and start looking at things from a different perspective. Moving past all the finances and the time and the worries and the circumstances and the pain. Once you've got all those things kind of under your belt, one at a time, one at a time, you can really step back and really see how, yeah, okay, God has a dream for me in my life. Second thing, is your dream possible already? Is your dream possible right now with you? You could go out and you could actually accomplish that thing. If so, guess what? It's not a, it's not a dream. That's just something on your to-do list you actually just need to get done. It's not a dream. You see, God works in the impossible. A year ago, we weren't sure if this church was even going to exist. But God works in the impossible. Who knows where next year or ten years we will be from now. Mike Alford, again, our student pastor, he said a comment uh, was about two weeks ago. He's like, I can't wait to look back. 10 years from now, and remember when. Does God have a dream like that in your heart? Maybe it's just to be a part of this. You can lump in with our dream if you don't have one. That's fine. That's why we have a vision. Is your dream possible already? If so, it's not a dream. Just get it done. God works in the impossible, greater than you can imagine. What's the thing that you can imagine? You're like, wow, that's really not possible here with just me and myself. I want, to, I want to have a homeless ministry that reaches thousands of people. I want to see Melbourne, Florida transformed for the gospel. I want to be a part of missionaries that go globally around the world to help feed or clothe or house the people who have nothing. I want to be part of something like that. But that's bigger than, that's bigger than me. That can't happen. I can imagine it, but come on. That's a dream. And God, is, He's saying you can, you can have all that. It is possible, but not through you. Not through you. Here's the third thing about our dreams, and greater than we can imagine. Is your dream God-given? Is your dream God-given? And sometimes that takes some discernment and some time to figure out. It takes some prayer and seeking wise counsel from other spiritual leaders. But is your dream God-given? Author Henry Blackaby wrote in his book entitled Experiencing God, he wrote this, You never find God asking persons to dream up what they want to do for Him. Without a doubt, the most important factor in each biblical situation was not what the individual wanted to do for God. The most important factor is what God was about to do. He goes on, God reveals His purposes or His tasks so that you will know what He plans to do. When God came to Noah, He did not ask, hey, uh, what do you want to do for me? It was like, I'll build a boat. 
That seems cool. It's not what Noah's response was. God said, what do you want to do for me? He came to reveal what he was about to do for Noah's sake. It was far more important to know what God was about to do. It really didn't matter what Noah had planned to do for God. God was about to destroy the world. He wanted to work through Noah to accomplish his purposes of saving a remnant of people and animals to repopulate the earth. So is your dream God-given? Is it something that, that, that God is, is moving in this certain area? Maybe it's within this church, maybe with a, a ministry that you're involved with, or a ministry that doesn't even yet happen here yet, or anywhere else at another church. That's fantastic. Go for it. But is it God-given? Because it's easy for us to sit back and say, well, I would like to do such and such. James warns us about that later in the, in the New Testament. But God has a dream to give to each one of us. Fourth thing here, does your dream glorify God? So is your dream God-given? And does your dream glorify God? Even Noah could have sat back and taken credit for saving the human race, right? He could have. He could have said that, I built a boat, look at what I did, saved everybody, saved all the animals, that was a lot of work, getting them on that boat two by two. Actually, probably did nothing, right? But the first thing Noah did when he got off the ark, you know what he did? He built an altar. He praised and worshipped God. He didn't take the credit for it. Even though his dream was God-given, he gave God the glory. He returned it. And Noah was blessed for that. And his sons, and his sons' sons, and his sons' sons. We often say, you know, that old children's song, Father Abraham had many sons, and I am one of them, right? Technically, we should go back like a few... A few good generations. Father Noah had three sons, and we are all of them. It would be a much less fun song. Um, but Noah took Noah took what could have been his credit, and he gave that glory to God. It was his dream. No one else could have known. God gave him that dream, saying, I want you to build a boat. I'm going to flood the earth. But Noah turned around and gave that glory back to God. So I want us to do something different this morning as we close. I want us to kind of just close our eyes, and I want you to think about that dream if you have one. All right? So imagine. Imagine if all the hurt you feel inside from a broken past could be healed. It can. Imagine. Imagine if you could feel forgiveness for the first real time in your life. For everything you've ever done that wasn't right or just or honorable. Every sin you've ever committed. Imagine if you could feel that forgiveness. And you know what? You can. Imagine. Imagine if all the hopes and the dreams that God has put in your heart could come to pass. Not for your glory, but for His. They can. Imagine. Imagine what could happen to Melbourne, Florida if more people knew the Jesus 
you know Melbourne can change. Imagine if the world knew more of Jesus, how much less violence, how much less crooked politics, how many fewer homeless or hungry or hurting people there would be. And you know what? It can happen. Imagine if the sickness or ailment that you or someone you know could be healed immediately, leaving the doctors scratching their heads. It can be. Imagine. Imagine what could change in your life if you started living more like God is the greater than that He says He is. Because you know what? He can change you. Imagine. Imagine if every longing you feel, every empty hole, every void in your life could suddenly and unexplainably be filled. Not with just something, not with just stuff, but with a joy you cannot even describe. It can be. Imagine the dream that God has given you for His glory in this community. Can you see it happening? Because it can. For those of us who remain in the Word, with Jesus, in relationship, and give Him the glory. Jesus just wants to be in relationship with more people. For more people to know Him, to experience Him, to love Him. Imagine the part we could play in someone's eternal salvation. It's huge. Now these things aren't possible because we can make them so. By ourselves, remember, we can do nothing. But in Christ, for God, and with the Holy Spirit, those things you imagine can happen. People can be saved. Lives can be restored. Hope can be found. Healing can happen. Melbourne can be transformed for God. God, we come to you this morning. And oftentimes it's really easy for us to have our own dreams, our own wants, our own desires. But when we have a God-given dream, when we get a glimpse of what you're doing, we get to be a part of the journey just like what's going on here at, at True Life Church. I'm just thankful to be along for the ride because you are moving here. And what we need to do is find where God is moving and, and be a part of it. And you have a dream for us, God. That dream could even be something as simple as, as hope or, or restoration. And we can't imagine how good that could be. And when we imagine things, it's not as, as good as what you could make it into. So give us a dream this morning to reach, to seek, and save the lost, to care for the orphan and the widow, to raise up a generation of Christ followers who not just say that you are the greater than in their lives, but who live that greater than lifestyle. As we leave here today, give us the freedom. The freedom that we've been talking about for the last few weeks. The freedom in our finances, 
as we trust You. The, the freedom from our worries and from our pain as we trust You. The freedom from being able to figure out how much time we have and what do we do and does it matter? God, there is freedom that is found only in You. And through that freedom, You're able to reveal to us more and more of how good of a God You are, how much You love and care for us, and sometimes how much You need to discipline us because we're not perfect. But You are the great God. God, be the greater than in our lives. In your holy name we pray. Amen.